Hi, I'm Sivan, founder of Conscious Innovation, and this is Be and Think in the House of Trust podcast for people who love to invest in social change. We explore what trust looks like, the stories we create in ourselves and around us to generate valuable relationships and conditions that ignite impact. My guests help us look at the beliefs, attitudes, and traits that transform people's lives and, and also bring them closer to each other. In this new episode of the House of Trust, I meet with Soraya Show MSc, as she's an applied organizational neuroscientist, and together we discuss empathy scarcity in individuals and organizations, and importantly, nine things we can do about it. scarcity, what neuroscience can teach us. Mm. We read a lot about empathy scarcity at leadership level and the impact it has on staff, on senior leadership teams, and how this empathy or lack of empathy has an impact as well on what we're meant to deliver, you know, in, uh, in our work, our community, um, our families, etc. So mm. I have today Soraya Show from Springboard and to uh, help me think through that theme. And I wonder, can you tell us a little bit of what your work entails? So I basically have always been interested in psychology and in insights and people. My early career was in creative advertising, which is all about people. And then I retrained and became an executive coach, which I did for yeah many years. And then I knew I wanted to do something and I had the opportunity to be one of the, well, there was 21 of us when we started to do a uh, MSc in applied neuroscience and organizations. And I've, since a little girl, I've been fascinated by the brain and, and what actually ticks. So I took my master's and was one of the few people to actually finish it and pass it because it, I must admit it was the most incredibly difficult thing I've ever done. But what it gives you is a huge new insight into how we operate as uh, human beings, what we actually need. And actually coming out of COVID, and it's kind of perfectly placed, really, because everyone is looking at, well, what does the new world of work look like? Is it hybrid? Is it flexible? What is it? It's a perfect opportunity to talk about what we as humans really need. So, you know, it's building on the management theory, it's building on the psychology, behavioral science, all those all those wonderful things. But it's actually going, this is what's going on in your head. Uh, and as you know, we're all different. We're all neurodiverse. I mean, that's a big debate in itself. And so that's when it becomes, if we're going to move forward into this brave new world with technology, then I think under coming at it from a very different human perspective is incredibly important. So that's what I do. Wow. Wow. So I love what you say about what, what's going on in, in, in people's heads. <laughs> yes. It's not a foundation. And so I wonder what you make out of this empathy thing we hear everywhere and maybe to start us um what do you define how do you define empathy so that we uh, we understand the same thing here <laughs> yeah i think that's really interesting because we do talk about empathizing a lot we talk about psychological safety or neuro safety and all these um, important things that we need but i actually went back to the dictionary because i was i also was listening to reading something about compassion and so i was thinking to myself hold on a sec i'm getting confused now you know what's the difference between sympathy empathy and compassion i'm not quite sure that i totally understand this and when i looked at it in a nutshell sympathy is about you know you sympathize yeah i'm really sorry that that 
happened to you that that's terrible empathy is when you really uh you almost put yourself in the other person's shoes and you can really sense what they need and what they feel but what i found very interesting if you took it one step further with compassion compassion builds on empathy but it actually has an action component to it as well so it's actually about yeah i hear what you're saying i hear what you need and now let's go and do something about it so i wonder as well whether maybe there's a this is just my raw thinking you know the, the conversation needs to kind of step up a bit because you can empathize with somebody and I think we all know as um as working as executive coaches and working with people we have to protect ourselves because we can get quite damaged by other people's uh, emotions because we do empathize too much but if you actually turn it into an action so it has a kind of um a result to it that's where my thinking is starting to go around the whole kind of um, empathy scarcity uh, route. Mm. So if I hear you well, empathy would have been to understand the lived experience of someone else. And yeah, you can come back on the shoe story. <laughs> and the question is doing that with an action or, or a, a, a presence, a, a very much a sort of a commitment to to do or be something around that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I suppose if you had, if you took it as we're talking about, you know, organizations and companies, it would be not you just caring about your colleagues or your leader or whoever, but you'll be saying, right, okay, I hear this. Now, what are we going to do about it? Hmm. Hmm. So what's going wrong with empathy at the moment, you believe, you think, Soraya? Do you know, I think that's, I think that's such an interesting, obviously you're asking it, so it is very interesting, but I think it's because we're coming out of COVID and I think there's something here about shared responsibility. I think there's a lot about, uh, you know, how leaders should be or managers should be, or there's, there's a lot of how shoulds going on. And I think that we've forgotten that actually it's about shared responsibility because we're all uh human and you're no matter what your job title is you're coming into whether it's switching on your computer or walking through the door with you know your own issues or thoughts or concerns or excitements and and positivity as well so actually I think there is something about it becoming a leveler as opposed to a you know the shoulds it, it should be I think it should actually I'm saying should here we are I think it's more about us being compassionate about everybody and not just expecting that a certain level within an organization need to be totally responsible for it I, I think this whole way of looking at self-managing flatter structures the whole new way that we need to start considering about the world of work that's when empathy actually I think comes in and takes on a different role Mm. Um, what I'm hearing here is also looking at how responsibility, how we are, how we engage with the world as an individual. Yes, yes, stepping definitely. Yes, yeah, stepping back a little bit. And I'd, I'd love to come back on the shoes story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know me and my shoes. I love my shoes. But <laughs> yeah, this is it. So I, I could put myself or imagine myself in your shoes. But when I do that, I actually still see me in your shoes yeah that, that that's true I mean there's something there's a great thing in uh, neuroscience for that's called theory of mind oh. and as human beings we need to kind of we're always thinking about what's the other person thinking what are they doing what are we you know and it goes back to our kind of early evolution about are we safe so the brain always thinking about are we safe here or do we need to go into 
fight or flight, all the things that we know on that, that level about the brain. Uh, so putting yourself in someone else's shoes is actually almost a, uh, an automatic thing that we probably all do without really being conscious of it. Um, and it is trying to work out what's going on for that other person. Um, and it, it, yes, as you say quite rightly, it normally comes out that it's about me. Where's myself in that? Yeah. But I think it's also, you know, it's about practicing and learning about, well, how do I see, if we all look at the world through our own lens, how can I step into that person's lens and see the world through their eyes? So I, I hear there's an opportunity here to listen to the other's lived experience for, for, for us to realize well, what is what does it feel to be in your shoes with your feet? Exactly. I can't put yeah. myself in that position. I can never physically put myself in that position, can I? We, we know it's, but it, it's just being aware of it. So often I think we're, you know, we read all these things that's, you know, listen to people and talk to people and, um, they're all great things to do, but actually putting your emotions in there and putting, trying to strip away your, uh, the way that you view the world. I'm not saying it's easy or, or because that, you know, that really getting to understand other people is not easy. Um, mm -hmm. As we know from coaching, how, how, how much work you have to do and training you have to do into it. But it is just about giving the other person a chance to be seen I think that's important. So, wow. Giving the opportunity for the other person to be seen. So that's supposed um, a lot of space, right? Yeah. And giving them, it's not make. I think we're terrible, aren't we? With COVID and everything that's happened, we, we make assumptions. Assumptions are safe for us. If you make an assumption, you, you've got an answer, whether it's right or wrong, but you've, you've got something. And I, you know, maybe it is stripping away those assumptions and giving that person the space to be seen, to be heard, all the all the etiquette. Sometimes you know you're taught in meetings: don't talk over people, don't uh, let people have their point of view, encourage people to speak up. I think all the, those um, skills help a person feel noticed, cared for, respected, valued, connection, building trust. I mean, you know, God, I'm just writing a paper on trust at the moment from a neuroscience perspective, and okay. it really is. Um, and the anchor of everything that we do. Mm. Mm. So there's there's um, that new element you're bringing or to, to build empathy and gain, gain trust to strip in us from our, you know, our, our, our assumption costumes, you know, costumes with all the... Yeah. <laughs> the assumption bells and whistles. I can't even pronounce that. Yeah. Get, um, it's not getting rid, but but suspending assumptions for a minute, letting this, letting a bit of more space for the other person to come, uh, to come up to surface with all their lived experience, so that you can have a little bit of a more dense sense of who they are. Mm. And I think what you're doing as well from a neuro perspective is we know that we're riddled with unconscious bias and it only becomes conscious when you're actually in the situation you're aware of it. Yeah. So I think what you're doing by actually helping your brain feel engaged and really focused, you know, we know that creating focus, I think in teams, it increases engagement by about 300% or, or something like that I can't remember exactly mm -hmm. but when you have that focus when you really feel you're dancing the same dance it's so incredibly powerful and rewarding and I and 
you know, you, you, you never, I don't think in a relationship, you ever go back from that because you've, you've connected it at a really emotional level that we don't do very often. Oh, yes. I love that, that metaphor of the dance, because also we learn the same step. Yeah. We should engage practically the same muscles, but we know we want there will be something differently, different and, and you know, different level of sweat, different level of, of artistic expression. Mm-hmm. But we all we're all moving towards the same direction. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me yeah. tell me more about um you said about you know that we're all different, we're all wired differently. And what 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 does that knowledge help us? Uh, uh, do or think differently I think once you really understand that each one of us you know our brains are like our fingerprint everyone is completely different which is where I think neurodiversity I've been talking to a lot of people recently who've got dyslexia or ADHD or whatever Mm. and, and they actually don't like being put into this box because they do have a genius way a different way of thinking um and all of us do that at at one degree or another and I wouldn't be surprised in 50 or 60 years time they find out that all of us you know have got our, well we all know that our brains are wired differently anyway based on our dna our mm. knowledge our engagement our relationships um and i think what it does is that from a practical point of view you know if you really want true diversity having a group of different brains that think in a very different way is important for our future because of idea ideas innovation connectedness um, as as um, technology takes over more and more and more. But I think it also makes life so rich because, you know, it's like when you go away on holiday and you're a completely different place than you're, you're used to mm. and you meet different people, it's fascinating. You know, you're, you're different people from different walks of life with different attitudes, with different accents, with different looks, with different ways of dressing, with different, you know, it, it just makes us so rich as human beings to to understand that that vastness of difference and experience and how it how we can benefit from it so that's interesting sorry if you say that we're molding constantly we're molded by our experience your our thoughts or feeling or environment etc throughout the day throughout our holidays if we can yeah take them um so any kind of experience mold us um why is that that some people feel like they're resisting that molding where they go back to work resisting that molding i uh, i think that's i'm not sure i haven't really thought i from my angle that i come from it i think that you can you know we've all heard about the fixed mindset and the growth mindset and yeah. you know coming from positivity and negativity but i do think people default to a way of being so by nature i think i'm I'm a very positive person and, and quite happy-go-lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know, for instance, my husband is is wonderful. He's grounded and, and very practical. So we make a really good team. You know, we bounce off each other in that way. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think people do approach the world, as people approach the world from their lens, they may not feel comfortable with that change. That change may not resonate with them. It may not hold any value to them. It might be quite scary for them because we know that, you know, some people find change very, very different, difficult. So therefore you default back to your your behaviour that you know and trust because that's a, again, that's from a brain perspective, that means that you're safe. Yes. You know, you're quietening your amygdala and 
um, hopefully you're switching back on your neocortex but so from a from an from a brain perspective it, it makes complete sense why some people are more open to change your ideas or 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 learning taking on board different different learnings whereas other people resist it and I again I think that's just human nature and I I, I guess for us as, as coaches what we've always done is we're helping people to gain insights to change those mindsets mindsets are very interesting in 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 how they can how you can change them you can change them quite simply actually it's, it's quite fascinating mm. and i think that that's something that we have done in our work we, we know it and we understand it very very well and it's given people the confidence really to be able to do it and we're all going to be got obstacles around us i mean it's it's we can all put up barriers quite easily and it's really questioning or helping other people question whether those barriers are useful or they're not useful. So I love here because you made the bridge between the trust that we have in others and the trust that is within. Are we in a safe space to change or not? And and I also hear that we are quick to label people having a lack of empathy, but maybe we should maybe look deeper in there and see how safe do they feel. And mm -hmm. In, in performing or trying out new things, you yeah. know, as, even as leaders, right? Well, I think that's quite interesting you just saying that because leadership, you assume that the person you're leading or, or your leader, whoever they might be, your manager, whatever, that they know the answers, they know what they're doing. And, and you know, we know that their emotions can be picked up by people so easy. We absorb other people's emotions very, very quickly. If you, if you, you know, we, if, if you think about mirror neurons and things like that, mm. um, but again, they may be having a really bad day. They may not, you know, I was doing an imposter syndrome masterclass yesterday and most of those people were all very similar uh, and senior and they class themselves as they have those days where they, you know, they walk into a room and they're like, what the hell am I doing here? I, I'm, I'm an imposter, I'm a, a fraud, I shouldn't be here. But we never, you know, we always think about it about ourselves, but we're not thinking that actually the other people in the room or, or on the end of the camera are actually experiencing exactly the same thing. Ah, yes, yes. Hence the necessity to really stretch, uh, you know, a little bit time to think and pause. Even in a time scarce life, a little five minutes to really pause mm. and yeah. be gentle. <laughs> so talking about talking about pragmatic avenues to explore, uh, if we want to navigate empathy differently, what would be your quick, short, snappy suggestions? So okay, I have. Because we're all in this um, changing world that we're going through, I think I think our connected purpose is is absolutely crucial if we're to have flatter structure and and more self management. And whether you're working hybrid or, or or flexible or whatever it might be, because we need that connectedness, we need that joint purpose, common purpose to be working towards. Mm -hmm. And I think what's very very important is actually going back. And I was doing a hybrid workshop last week with a, a huge a charity and we went back to what was their strategy what's their purpose what are their values and and how does that translate now two three years later so therefore how do they need to behave because once we understand what the behaviors are and that builds the culture and the rituals you can then you know what you're working with people know where they are people feel secure they feel uh, protected I suppose actually mm. so really that's my biggest things that it's about sharing and communicating and agreeing you know coming to a common 
understanding, even around the words, like you asking me, what's my definition of empathy? My mm -hmm. definition could be very different to somebody else's. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just remembering the human needs, remembering what people have been through, because I think we're going to, well, we are already, aren't we, seeing some sort of effects of what happened uh, because we no one's ever been through it before. So mm -hmm. I think there needs to be that understanding there as well. Mm. A joint it's not just you know one way it's it's a it's complete you know 360 I think in any, any organization mm. so I think there there what I'm hearing is a very deep necessity to pause and look at these foundations that these beliefs these values these uh, narrative and stories that each and one of us has yeah Definitely. That's a, that's Definitely. Good in, it sounds like a good investment, fundamental investment, right? I think so. I think it's very easy to be. I think we. I think we need. I think being we need pragmatism somewhere. You know, we are emotional. We are driven by our emotions. Mm -hmm. But if we understand why those emotions manifest and what they actually mean, then I think you can start shaping something very differently. Yeah. Yeah. And engage people along the way to build exactly, 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 yeah, purpose. Wonderful, Soraya. I know it's quick and short and snappy, but we want to make people hungry for more. And <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be sharing your your uh, your websites and all, all uh, data that people need to engage with you. Soraya, it was a pleasure talking to you in the House of Trust today. Thank you so much. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And if I could just encourage people either to um, sign up to my LinkedIn or the newsletter via the website because what I try and do is do regular updates on the brain, new research that comes through and new ways that we can actually apply it. So if you're interested, then then that's the kind of place to start. Well, wait, start. Fantastic. Thank you, Soraya. All right. Thank you. Speak to you later. Take care. Thank you again, everybody, for listening to that new thinking conversation in the House of Trust. In our next episode, we will be talking to Emily Goodall, who sees finance as a force for positive change and works to that end in various roles at the intersection of private, public and civil society. Reflecting on the work in social finance and the impact it has in society, Emily reflects on what it means to be an ally and how much you can show up and be in service to others when you are a genuine active listener in all forms of dialogue and connections. I'm really looking forward to this. The show is available to listen to anywhere you can find podcasts and it's completely free. And for more insights, events and resources, you can head to my website, servanmoison.co.uk and subscribe to my regular conscious innovation updates. Goodbye. Goodbye.